Hi, Stranger Rangers. This is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Really welcome back. Gosh, you guys, we're so sorry. I missed you. I missed this room. Summer just kind of caught us off guard. Holy moly. A little bit. Yeah. It, um, things happen. Families grew. Yeah. Legs got broken. (laughs) So surgeries happen. No, it's just a lot of things got, um, you know, and we do this for fun. And I'm grateful for the time that we do get together to do it, but it just, it just didn't work out. Like all, you said, all of a you, sudden, we have the stories ready. Uh huh. Um, and I know you said a couple times, like, go ahead and record by yourself if you need to. You know, that's okay. And I was like, I can't. It's not the same. I can't. I've tried that before. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, everyone. I've, I've tried that before, and I'm sitting here, and I was like, I I can't talk to no one. Right. So it's um, pretend I'm glad like you're we're like back. four years old instead yeah. of like an audience of stuffed animals. <laughs> It's not really a two-way conversation. You don't quite get the the reaction. That would be so funny. It would be funny. If someone just walks in and here, like, are you talking to your stuffed yeah. animals? First of all, you have stuffed animals? Right. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, we do. <laughs> 100%. But so glad to be back. A lot has happened. Yeah. There is so much that's happened in true crime world and everything. Yeah. Um, one of the first things that comes to the top of the mind is, well, two things that come top of mind since we've recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, we potentially have a serial killer here in Portland. Yes. And trust me, everyone, and we've talked about this before, we don't like to talk about unsolved things before they're resolved or there's closure just because we don't want to jump the gun on anything. Uh, but I wrote it down, I think I told you, mm-hmm. to start figuring out if there's similarities, if there's things um, that you know, an MO of sorts. Right. And so if you're under five, four brown hair and under 130 pounds, you might want to watch out in Portland. Totally. Well, and then I, I can't remember if I was talking to you about this, but I, it, the subject came up at work and a coworker of mine said that someone had made this connection that a lot of these girls don't have a whole lot of things that tie them together, but they have like these random, similar mutual friends on Facebook. Yes. yes. There is, Three of the girls uh-huh. have, I think you mentioned that to me, have, I think, five friends mm-hmm. in common on Facebook, and then a different three set of girls, but there's some overlap with those three. Sure. I found out that all used to frequent Clackamas Town Center. Okay. And I mean that in the way that, unfortunately, that was the area where they were potentially drug-seeking. Mm. So that's where they like met up with their plug all the time. Gotcha. Interesting. um, I kept um, finding TikTok took me for a loop, but (laughs) went down um, a rabbit hole. Yeah, total rabbit hole. There's some people that keep popping up. So as much as much as I can, if there's any updates, I'll I'll keep you guys updated on that. Um, Second thing would be that a potential serial killer was arrested. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, one less off the freak off the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Oh, is our fan ticking? You stupid yeah. ticking fan. It's Sorry, freaking guys. hot. It's 96, 98 here in Portland, and we're in a room that doesn't have AC. Yeah. So uh, let's see. What else? Oh, one of the Manson murder or Manson one murder of his women. women yeah. was recently released. Yes. Um, 
Did you ever wa- go and watch that Netflix movie that I told you about? It's called, um, I think it's called Yes, Charlie. No. And it's on Netflix. It's a few years old, um, but it's like a a recreation. I don't know how factual sure. a lot of, a lot of it is but it does talk about three women and i think all of their names are consistent with the women that existed in real oh. life but it was actually a pretty um <laughs> as easy watching of a movie <laughs> something like that can be but it was more of the story behind the women oh, and okay, less okay. about him yeah. although he was involved in it so i, I, I believe it's called yes charlie i don't think we've covered the manson murders i don't nor think so have we covered heaven's gate which oh, is a big slice huge. of pie so eventually i'm sure we'll get to cover it. i know they're beaten to you know yeah all high heavens as far as coverage but it'd be fun to do my own research because if i it's not like jonestown where i can sit down and talk to anyone about it you right know? <laughs> so manson and heaven's gate are two that i'd love to dig in more too most definitely yeah yeah, yeah i think those are the latest updates i think that that's are off it. the top of my head yeah cool cool well we're back. We're going to try and figure stuff and schedules out. Yeah. We're going to try some um, remote recording potentially yeah. just because our lives are so busy and it's summer and we've got lots of plans. So we're going to keep the content coming for you guys. We might just get a little bit more creative around the yeah. recording setup. So if the sound is off in the next couple of episodes, now you know why. Bear with us. We'll be working and out we some kinks. we appreciate it. <laughs> So, um, my case for today, I, I believe I mentioned this where we left off with, um, our last episode, I dove into a serial killer that came from my hometown. That's right. And as soon as I started researching this, it definitely was ringing some bells, but, um, a friend that I grew up with, Sarah, she randomly stumbled across our podcast and yeah, she was like, yeah, I started, I clicked on uh, Stranger Danger and I started listening and I was like, oh my gosh, where do I know this voice from? And she's like, oh, it's Bree. This is Bree's podcast. Oh my and God. then that happened again with um, another, a girl that used to work for me years ago yeah. and a friend. Um, she did the same thing. She messaged me on Instagram and That's she was like, so... hey, I saw you had a baby. Also, I was randomly listening to your podcast. I was like, where do I know this voice from? You have a very distinct voice. It's funny. Absolutely. That's so great. Well, welcome. But like, what are the odds? I mean, of all the true crime podcasts that that are out there. But um, yeah, so this is a case from my hometown. Sarah, thanks for um, reaching out and letting me know about this. I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't get talked about a lot more. And we were on vacation with my family last weekend. And I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to be covering this case about this guy. And she's like, your dad went to school with him. (gasps) I know. I was like, what? So I sat and like had a little mini conversation with my dad about it. So some, some of these facts, um, came from him. Isn't that weird? So weird. Just like, weave true crime conversations with our families now. Yeah. <laughs> and they've always been like 2020 dateline watchers, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely more of a hot topic of That's conversation funny. for sure. That's great. So this is the story of Joseph Condro, and this takes place in my hometown of Longview, Washington. Um Longview is like a town of roughly About roughly 30,000 people. So it's not the smallest town in the world, but it's small enough that 
family generations of family names yep. stick around. Yep. Oh, you know the McNamaras, you know the Neemans, you know the right. uh, you know one one of those like types of towns. Like the doctor and his son, they're like they have the same practice. Kind totally. Of yep. A hundred percent. So Joseph Robert Condro was born May 19th in, of 1959 in Marquette, Michigan, and he was born to a Chippewa mother. He had six other siblings, but when Joseph was born, he was pretty much put, I think he was put up for adoption. Oh. Um, so he was born into a situation where he was adopted by John and Eleanor Condro. And from there, they raised him for a while in Iron River, Michigan. But then from there, they would eventually move to Castle Rock, Washington, which is a really small town, um, just barely north of Longview. And so, yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got fast. Hold on, sucker. Oh, I can't reach that. Far. There you go. <gasps> we might just have to sweat it out for a little bit. Just a little bit and no problem. Powerful. It's all good. This is not a super long case anyway, so okay. we'll make it through. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I just don't want it to ruin your case. No, so. you're fine. Okay. Totally good. So uh, he had just moved over to mm-hmm. Castle Rock? Yes. Yeah, so from Michigan, they moved to Castle Rock, Washington, okay. which is just north of Longview. Okay. A super small town. Very, very small town. Like, I'm pretty sure they're... They maybe have a high school and a dairy or, it's, queen. or it's one of the, yeah, <laughs> they have like a pediatric office, a dairy queen. And I gotcha. think, you know, like one school for, for each grade. And then from there, they had to have moved to Longview, which is where he attended Catholic school. And according to my dad, he went to St. Rose Elementary, which is the elementary school affiliated with the Catholic church that gotcha. I grew up in. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it was just wild kind of finding out some of these little details. Yeah. Um, from there, he would uh, go on to attend Monticello Middle School. Again, this is where I went to middle school and my dad went to school with him as well. And from there, um, R.A. Long High School. Now, growing up, and I don't really know who decides these factors, but this is kind of what was said about Joseph, that he had psychopathic tendencies that began in a very early age. Okay. So they were things along the lines of he began drinking at seven years old. Whoa. I guess that's something that could be affiliated, young substance abuse. Oh, okay. Um, he would get into frequent fights. He is said to having um, liked carrying a knife. And then it escalates and he begins killing animals. And when we talk about killing animals, this sadly includes like neighborhood pets and stuff like that. Oh, no. Which 
is heartbreaking. Yeah, because on top of that, on top of being mischievous and being a murderer, right? You like this kid probably went around pretending when the people were looking for their dog, their cat, whatever. Like, oh, I don't know what happened. Like the lie, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the deceit. Oh my god. The like right under your nose sort of stuff. But that's definitely one of the what is it? The trifecta or triangle or something where it's like bedwetting, fire, and killing animals. The three things where it's like, if a kid does these, you're fucked. Oh, wow. I yeah. was not aware of that. Yeah, so bedwetting, fire setting, and killing animals. Which the latter of the, th- the latter two of the three totally makes sense, but yeah. that's really weird about bedwetting. Yeah. I wonder if it's something like that causes trauma that triggers something Maybe. in the brain. You know what? We should look into that. Yeah. Because I wonder I would if think- it's... Like, just being mischievous and, like, being an asshole type of kid. Like, I'm going to wet the bed because right they're not – you know what I mean? I don't totally. Know. Or if it's – like, yeah, is it a power move or is mm-hmm. it something that they're doing subconsciously, like, unconsciously, I guess. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's weird. We'll that is that. super odd. We'll totally look into that. Sadly, admitted later, uh, Joseph admitted later to having molested young girls while he was still a young child himself. Oh, wow. So he started having sexually deviant behavior at a very, very young age. And as he got older, he would develop a criminal record that included crimes such as auto and petty theft, drunk driving, domestic abuse. He started drug dealing and forgery kind of wrapped up that whole. (laughs) Yeah, that whole lineup of his. Um, He would go on to end up fathering several children. I'm not quite certain certain of how many is included in several um, but sadly enough, he was unable to care for them because of his drug addiction and sure. his other legal troubles. So in the early 1980s, there began a spree of several young girls just like having these unexplained disappearances in southwest Washington. And on May 15th of 1985 is when we get introduced to the disappearance of eight-year-old Rima Traxler. And my dad knew this name instantly when I brought up um, Joseph. He was like, oh, yeah, the Traxler girl. So Rima Traxler disappeared after last being seen walking home from St. Helens Elementary School in Longview, Washington. Now, at the time, she walked to school because buses were only offered to those who lived more than a mile away from school. Mm, So if you lived within less than that, you were kind of on your own for your commute. And Rima only lived about 10 blocks away from the school. So Um, roughly half a mile. So I feel like my mom, we only lived a couple of blocks from elementary school, but I think I told the story before where like, I thought I was walking alone to school, but my mom secretly like went out as soon as I was out of sight. Oh, really? I got to school because she could still see me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely walked to school in elementary school. I like occasionally got rides from my friend's mom, but I mean, I only lived like blocks, six blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super close. So police were called when Rima never made it home at her usual time of about 3.30 p.m. And her mom had even, like, gone up to the school to see if she was still there. She was, like, stuck behind for yeah. whatever reason and had no such luck finding her daughter. Oh, so that's after, terrifying. So terrifying. I mean, I know the last case that we just covered was the whole, the whole uh, Kyron Horman yeah. case, you know. And like mm-hmm. we talked about in that, school is supposed to be one of the safest 
right places yeah for your kid oof just the panic so, of well where the fuck are they totally <laughs> yeah. and just so unsettling yeah so at the time when Rima disappeared she was last seen wearing a pink shirt and a tan skirt she was said to have been a well-behaved, smart, and little to no behavioral issues little girl. And because of these reasons, this like pretty much instantly eliminated the suspicions of her being a runaway. Yeah. I mean, she's eight years old also on right. top of that. But um, they're like, no, she's a well-behaved girl. She's smart. You know, she does her school thing. There's no way. But her mom also believed that it was very unlikely that she would have run away unless she had maybe been, like, influenced by an older student. I don't know why she would have maybe thought that, but I don't know, maybe, like, went with a friend's older sister to their house. This This was in 1985. Oh, yeah. So no cell phones. You can't call mom if, you know, friends like, hey, I got five bucks. Let's go to the quarter store and, you know, spend my money or get some slushies, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So she also, I mean, her mom was also aware that they had a um, family code word. Oh, Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, of unicorn. And so she's like, she would not have gone with anybody unless they would, you know, she wouldn't go with a stranger. Like, we have this safe word sort of thing that would be totally outside of her behavior. And they had this code word because Rima loved unicorns. So, you know. She knew what the magic word was. Right, right. You know. It's it's unicorns. Exactly. Literally the magic word. (laughs) Literally the magic. Sparkles. Rainbows. All that good stuff. Now, she was seen walking home from school that day. She's said to have um, shown her art project to a neighbor on her way walking home. So there was one person that had seen her prior saw to her. saw her prior okay. to her disappearance. And this was only about a block away from the school. So she probably, you know, left school that day, went skipping down the block, saw a neighbor and was like, Hey, check out my cool little art project, you know, but that was the last person to have confirmed a sighting of her that day. Hey guys, it's really hot in this room. <laughs> It's super hot. We're it's fanning ourselves hot. with pictures. <laughs> so I had to turn the ceiling fan on. Oh, there's the creek. That's mm-hmm. really high, though. I didn't. I didn't think it would start off strong. Jesus, that's fine. It, it gets the air moving. At yeah. Least. Okay. I think that's so sorry, fine. guys. So if you guys hear that in the background, we apologize, but it is hot. Yes. A little okay. steamy. Yeah. It's our um. I, like immediately got hot. We're cleansing. It it's a sauna in it here. Really it's fine. Is. It's gonna be good for our immune system. It's like, oh, do you have a podcast? No, 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 no. No, we we have a sauna. We have a sauna back. and microphones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So Rima disappears. Joe Condro was questioned as part of the initial investigation. He was a family friend, and oh. he had been um, drinking with her stepdad, Rus- Rusty, that day. So they were, you know, day drinking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, right. yeah. Like, One fix hundred. it a car, day drinking. Right. Exactly. Cool, 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 yep. Cool. Working underneath the hood. It's the 80s. We're having some Budweiser's out of oh, a yeah. bottle. You know, the whole nine. But at the time, they found no evidence to pursue him further as a suspect. They, you know, had their initial questioning and nothing flagged investigators as being okay. suspicious or anything. Now, sadly, by June of 1985, they completely stopped actively looking for Rima, and they published a big thank you to everyone who helped and contributed looking for her. I'm guessing this probably um, was printed in, like, the local newspaper, the Daily News. 
but they would still keep the case open. They weren't like it wasn't solved. It yeah. wasn't solved. Yeah. So the case would remain oh open, my gosh. but they stopped actively looking for her, sadly enough. So we fast forward about 11 years, and this is the young lady that I remember. As soon as I saw her picture, I was like, wow, I totally remember this girl. So it was kind of a weird little tucked back memory that I didn't realize that I had. So on November 21st, 1996, 12-year-old Kara Rudd disappears from Monticello Middle School. She arrived at Monticello early that day around 7.30, And she disappeared after um, getting into a car in the front of the school. Now, Joe Condra would later reveal that he pulled up to the school in his gold Pontiac Firebird and invited Kara to go with him on a drive um, out along the banks of the Columbia River on the west side of town. And so... Longview is, it's kind of long. You've got like this really compact, like central part of town, but then it really extends out the Columbia River West throughout Washington. And there is like, I mean, my best friend lived out that way. There's like so much more to the town than people realize. It's, it's got a pretty good little stretch to it. So he invited her to go out to that side of town with him. And just like Rima, Kara was a well-behaved and well-liked child, and she was not to have been believed to have been a runaway yeah, again. Yeah, she's 12. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Kara's mom, Janet, had waited at the bus stop for her to come home that day, and she never did. And they also, within their family, supposedly had a like a safe word, oh, a okay. code word sure. as well. So her mom is obviously instantly panicked. You yeah. Know? She's not at the bus stop. Very similar circumstances to Rima's disappearance. So Joe drove Kara out to an abandoned house near a popular swimming hole on that west side of town. And this is where he would end up raping and strangling 12-year-old Kara. Afterwards, he took her body out Mount Solo Road, which is like a country road out in that part of town. And he drug her body into a ravine and hid her under the shell of a rusted out red Volkswagen. The fuck? Yeah. Just trying to tuck her away, like hide her body Mm -hmm. there. Yep, exactly. That seems rushed. Yeah, and... um, Like, not planned at all, you know? I think there's a little bit of a plan because as they start Hmm. to investigate, they start to peel back some layers and definitely identify some very close similarities like between mm-hmm. oh okay. absolutely so at this point Condra does become a suspect and what investigators end up picking up on is that once again Condra had ties to the family so oh. he was a friend of Rima's stepfather and okay. in Kara's case he was a family friend as well he was a childhood friend of Kara's mom and he was said to have frequently stayed with the family during um, the summer in their garage. So he actually lived with them for oh. a period of time. But eventually they kicked him out due to his drinking issues. Gotcha. And according to Kara's mom, he would, you know, get drunk, get belligerent, black out, and um, even became like verbally threatening uh-huh. and violent and um, specifically like towards her children. Yeah. It's said to have been. So, I mean, obviously you're going to kick someone to the curb when you're being gracious enough to offer them a place to stay and they're just getting drunk and threatening your kids. Like, see you later, dude. Even if it was just, you know, belligerent towards anyone else or just in general, your kids are still in the house. So the responsible thing to do is kick them out. Yeah. Yeah. Cannot have your kids around that. No, not. not at all. 
And Joe's even have said to have um, blamed Kara for him having to leave his quote unquote rent free situation. Oh, so I don't know weird. if she like brought his behavior to her mom's attention uh-huh. or was like, hey, he said this to me sort of thing. But um, somewhere along the lines, he was kind of pointing the finger at her for the reason he got kicked That's out. weird. Yeah. I mean, who better to blame than a 12-year-old girl? Right. You know? Right. That's who you really should be For mad at. For telling on you. But if she had something to tell on you about, then, sir, you are the problem. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's identify the common denominator right. here. Yes. It is you. Now, back to Kara's disappearance. Um, Kara's cousin, who was also one of her classmates, also told Kara's mom that um, they had seen Kara with Joe Condro that morning. Oh. So there was a witness to her getting in the car um they said that she got in his car they talked for a a little while and then she got out and he drove off so he showed up at the school and they kind of like had a little chat she got out and then she met up with him a few hours later and before that had told a classmate that she planned to skip school that day so fortunately in Kara's case she had kind of like dropped these little breadcrumbs and a little bit messy on his part that he yeah. came back twice in one day with multiple people having seen them yeah. have a conversation and then actually saw her get in the car and leave from what it sounds like. Yeah. So about 12 hours after Kara disappeared, Officer Chuck Davis brought Joe in for questioning. And Joe said that he had seen Kara earlier that morning, but then he didn't see her after that. Now, What looked suspicious on top of all of this is that Joe is said to have been seen with scratches on both of his arms. Oh, that's suspicious. A little bit suspicious, my friend. Because who scratches? Girls. Exactly. Little girls. Yeah. But what he says scratched him is that um, this all came from him being locked out of his residence that morning and that he had to crawl through the window to get in. Oof. So circumstantial yeah you know looks suspicious but you know one could only assume that they look like struggle wounds right right we know that you know this family this 12 year old girl's missing that looks a little bit sus my friend for real but even with these allegations there was insufficient evidence to arrest him um but kara's mom was convinced that it was him yeah she even warned the police about his violent behavior. You know, he had lived with them. This is kind of right. how things all played out. And from that moment, it sounds like she fully believed that Joe had not only taken her daughter, but had killed her daughter. Damn. She's like, she's gone. He took her. She's gone. Like, That's you so guys sad. need to find her. And so unsettling. I mean, yeah, that you're like... Not only do I believe this person was capable of taking my daughter, but I believe that this is where it escalated mm. to, you know, like right off the bat, too. right off the bat, yeah. not even just like weeks or months after missing. It's like that's a, your initial instinct. It wasn't like a big whodunit. The mom's like, this is who we need to look at. Exactly. Oof. So when the investigation started, they went back and they retraced Kara's steps from that day. They had a time frame from when Kara was last seen and also knew that Condro had been over in um, Kelso, which is a town that neighbors Longview. And this gave them about a two hour window of when he could have taken her and about how far he could have gotten after taking her. 
So the investigation went on for about six weeks, but they had nothing at that point. This was until an old roommate of Condro's came forward and told the police about an area up on Mount Solo where Condro liked to hang out, drink, do drugs, and where he liked to take women up to. He described to the police exactly where to go, what road, and how many turns to get to this dead-end area. So he, like, X marks the spot on where, you know, he'd like to go and hang out and do all this stuff. So police are like, oh, fuck, finally, you know, we have, like, a very pinpointed area out in kind of this rural part of town where you could just spend endless weeks searching. And they kind of had. It had been six weeks up to that point. So they went up and they searched and they found a really open area that looked suspicious, like a good... A good place to dump a body. Right. Um, the terrain was difficult. It was muddy. There was tall grass. And this was kind of tucked right between the Cowlitz and the Columbia River. So these two major rivers that run through this part of town. Right. There were about 50 people that were involved in the search. And in the morning, they hadn't found anything. By the afternoon, they had finally discovered that old rusted Volkswagen. They found Kara's black Reebok T-shirt inside of the Volks inside of the Volkswagen when they approached, and when they lifted the T-shirt, Kara's bra fell out from it. And underneath, they found her body. Her torso had been nearly decomposed, and at this point, they were like beyond skeptical that they were going to get any sort of DNA evidence. But What ended up happening in the way that he tucked her under this car is that the top portion of her body was left exposed, but the lower half, like, basically was preserved and almost refrigerated because of it hiding underneath the car. Oh, my gosh. And so... Just away from the elements. Away from the elements. And this was in... um, Oh my gosh, sorry, I'm going to have to go back. I mean, this is in November, so we're talking cold cold weather too. It's not like in summer where things are going to rapidly decompose. It really like refrigerated her over that time span. And that could not have worked out any better. So they sent her remains off for an autopsy. And according to the ME, her skull had been largely skeletonized and her neck organs removed by animals. Jesus Christ. I know. Oh, God. But we, there's more, right? Oh, there's more. Okay. Yes. And unfortunately, because... So that that, was Kara. This is Kara. Okay. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, because the animals had kind of done with her body that they they did, did, it made looking into um, her potentially having been strangled really difficult to determine. Um, But like I said, however, because her lower half was so well-preserved, they recovered enough semen DNA on a rectal (sighs) swab to match it to Chondro. Dang. I know. I never in my wildest imagination would think that, I mean, obviously it makes sense with like colder weather and elements that that would help preserve something. But it was just like, I mean... Just perfect. You couldn't have planned it any better that that portion of her body was the part that was left refrigerated and they were able to, you know, recover exactly what they needed. So this is basically a home run for the investigators for them to prove his guilt in court. And they immediately arrested Joe Condro and brought him in for an interrogation. 
So during this interrogation, this went over the span of 22 hours of interviews, and Condro does admit to taking Kara out to a swimming hole in Germany Creek, then to an abandoned house where he raped and he did strangle her. He said that he had planned to just have sex with her, but quote-unquote, things got out of hand. Oh my gosh. How often do it's we hear that excuse? get out of hand. Yeah, you you already planned for it to get out of hand. You your intentions were clear from the beginning with oh my this. God. So Condra was hit with um, a slew of charges, sure, um, and one of them being the death penalty. But he ended up avoiding this fate with the confession of the murder of Rima Traxler more than a decade before. Good. So had they not recovered Kara? ever or as quickly as they did i mean like i said we're talking about an 11 year time span and at that point they had no they had nothing they had on no Rayma, leads on her nothing but wasn't her body underneath the volkswagen too no i thought he had tucked her away under the car that was just kara so but didn't he put rima under a car too no she she had just disappeared and they went around questioning people and oh. they they had no leads and they had nothing to go off of. And so they just kind of thanked everybody for coming out and helping them look, but they sure. left it as an open case, but there was never, Oh, they anything, didn't have her body. Nothing. Nope. Gotcha. She just disappeared and never turned back up. So when he starts talking about the abduction uh, and the murder of Rima, he does admit that he was able to adopt uh, he does admit that he was able to abduct Rima by tricking her using that family safe word of unicorn oh to get her gosh. in the car. He took her out to Germany Creek to swim, same place that he had taken Kara, and said that it was his strategy for getting her to take her clothes off so that he wouldn't have to do it himself. So he intentionally took her out there swimming pretty much just to for an excuse for her to get naked. To go swimming or to think that she was going to be changing into something else. He then admits that he raped, bludgeoned, and strangled Traxler again at Germany Creek and buried her in a shallow grave by a tree. And so he basically drug her out and put her by a log and covered it with some ferns and left it. Now, searchers went out to that area, and at that time, they failed to find any trace of her remains, and I'm not sure that they have ever since then recovered her body. In these interviews, Condra compares himself to an alligator, resting at the bottom of a pond, and every few weeks, he needed to come up and feed. That's disgusting. I really think that this guy, and I'll talk about, I'll touch on this a little bit, I think that he had a really unknown long history of a lot of this type of behavior. Just predator. Mm-hmm. Wow, that came out weird. Yeah. Predator. Pre- predator. <laughs> Sorry. Predatory. There's a lot of predatory behavior. Yeah. Ugh. And he also disgustingly explained, there's an adrenaline rush and it's kind of addicting. He also says that his actions were due in part to him. <laughs> I think that this is such bullshit. But his actions were due in part to him channeling part of his Chippewa roots. And he says that in his religion, it requires souls to right their wrongs before they die or be doomed to torment in the, in the spirit world. And uh, I don't know if he's meaning by like taking innocent lives as like a sacrifice to right the wrongs or that he's righting the wrongs that he's done in his life by finally confessing 
right to everything. So that to me was a little unclear in the wording of it. I'm like, are you trying to justify your behavior or are you trying to like get your way into heaven, so to speak, right. by confessing and righting the wrongs that you committed somehow in his head you know along the line he thought no matter what the hell i do as long as i do abc right i'll be fine i'll be fine and and join the margarita in heaven yeah exactly what he thought he can do literally get away with rape and murder Mm -hmm. at least not in the physical world but in in you the know, spiritual in the world, spiritual in the world, afterlife, he he'd be saved exactly. That's not how any of that works. It's not. Ah, I mean, oof. I mean, yes, yes. I no, do but... believe that your sins can be forgiven, but but you can't just go on a spree your whole life. No, you just can't just go and do whatever the fuck you want. Of the worst, terrible, the worst things you could do in this world, exactly, and think you'll be okay. It's not. It's not okay. So this is why I think. Um, furthermore, that he was involved in more than just what we know about. But he was also allegedly questioned in connection with over 70 other similar crimes. You're joking. Of girls in Southwest Washington Shut that had up. disappeared. Brie, you were eight. I know. I know. And I walked to school and I went to the same middle school as... The yeah, the as the girl, like not at the same time, but my elementary school was literally right next door to this middle school. Like my elementary, middle school, and high school were all within like two blocks of each other. Like they're on this same little plot of land, like right in the middle of town. I lived across the street. I know it's it was like really chilling and unsettling, like really diving into all of this. So out of those 70 other crimes that he was allegedly questioned about, five of those he still remains the prime suspect in. And one that stands out the most is the disappearance, the disappearance and death of, I believe you pronounce her name, Sheila um, Silver Nails of Kalama, Washington. And Kalama is roughly, give or take, about 15 minutes south of Longview. And at the time, Sheila was on her way to catch the school bus. She went missing in 1982, and the next day her body was found having been raped and strangled. So same M.O. But furthermore, Condra had ties to the family. He had dated Sheila's mom at one point, and the details of the crime were just, I mean, spot on to his M.O. of Rima and of Kara. Now... Throughout all of his interviews, Condra starts to peel back all the layers of his ever so um, lovely personality. He says that since he was a young boy, he fantasized about hurting and raping girls. Ew. And he says, quote, I'm a sociopath, psychopath. I've done a lot of weird things. I can remember as a little kid being sexually deviant with kids in the neighborhood and it never stopped. My victims never got older. I've been a serial child rapist ever since I was a child myself. Like. What? I just am trying to imagine this like young man and furthermore, this young little boy that has had these ideas in his brain since he was young enough to even conceive them. Well, and he's already, it sounds like from a very early age, again, he's like, I can do all the bad I want. Right. He definitely wet his bed. 
He yeah. had to have been a bad wetter. Uh, uh, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I can't confirm this it's theory. It's funny because but... it's like, you know, bed wetters. But, I mean, it sounds like he would have done it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wash these like, sheets again, Mom. I'm going to say I'm sorry and it's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I thought that this was pretty disturbing as well. He also says that as a teen, he put together a rape kit and he did kidnap a young woman. (gasps) I don't know what this rape kit contained, but I mean, he had been committing these crimes for years. I don't know if they ever discovered um, the name of the woman, the young woman that he had done that to at the time. But he does also say that he is deserved to be put to death. Um, He says, quote, if someone did what I did to my family, I'd want them on death row. And again, you know, like you said, it's it's not like you just get to do all of these things throughout your life and then get to the end and admit guilt. And that just like totally erases all of the horrific things that you've done, not just to these families, but like to the community. Right. And it doesn't just stay centralized to one town like you. (laughs) Your crimes very obviously spanned over a large area of the state, you know? Yeah. Not just one, you know, one county or whatever. So for Joe's sentencing, um, from the terms of his plea deal, Condra received a 55-year sentence that would be served at the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. And again, just to reiterate, he avoided the death penalty because of his confession to the rape and murder of Rima Traxler. Wow. So he dodged that bullet. But within this 55-year sentence, it would be highly unlikely that he would ever get released on parole. I mean, in his own words, he says... um, There's no way in hell that you're going to get me to change the way I think about sex with younger people. To the day I died, that's what I prefer. You are never getting out of a jail cell if that is something that you are um, quoted and heard to have said. Like, you are forever a danger to society with that admittance. But um, with that, I'm glad that you outwardly said that because you definitely did not deserve to ever be released. No. A hundred percent. And you're saying there's nothing I will do to change, Mm -hmm. to stop, you know, acting on my feelings, emotions, whatever. This is who I am. That's who I am. This is what I prefer. Fuck you, sir. You can stay in there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Condra says that he didn't confess to the killings to avoid the death penalty, but that he wanted closure for the victim's families and for his own children. So... Okay, I roll. Blit. Get out of here with that sappy ass bullshit. No. Yeah. Save it. Like, <laughs> save your breath on that one. Nobody cares. No. Really. No. Now, I thought that this was interesting. Um, several of his children were on the prosecution's witness list and could oh. have been called if it went to trial. Um, I don't know if this was to show, like, his character, how he had been an absent father and like his drug use and stuff like that. I don't know that his kids knew anything about the crimes that um, he had committed, but I thought that that was pretty interesting that the prosecution had put his, I mean, basically estranged children. The prosecution had them lined Mm -hmm. up. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were totally going to show that he was just an absent father. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be terrified, but hopefully none of those girls were victims. Yeah, exactly. Now, detectives plan to question him um, more about... Uh, sorry. Now, detectives did plan to question him about more cases, but he kind of got tight-lipped at this point, and he refused to talk because of the fear of um, having capital punishment reissued on him. So, I mean, I guess I could understand that. Like, double jeopardy wouldn't really come into play with that because you'd be talking about a whole different case, and since he already got the death penalty taken off the table, he's like, nope, I'm not going to incriminate myself any further. I already admitted to this. You took capital punishment off the table, so I am tight-lipped. I'm not talking to anybody else about anything. Good gravy. And sadly, we don't get any more resolution about any of those other cases because uh, Joe died in prison of liver disease at the age of 52. And this was likely related to a hepatitis C infection. And he passed away on May 3rd of 2012. Wow. And 52 is not old by any means. No, it's not. I mean... I mean, my dad was born in 59, the same year as Joe. Like, you know, not only did they go to school together, but they right. were, like, literally in the same class. Yeah. Like, played basketball together. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. Yeah, like, they... That's wild. Like, they knew each other. I know. It was so crazy talking to my dad about this. He, um... I believe this is what he said. So, like, back in the 70s, you had, like, P.E. dress downs. Sure. That you had to buy. Yeah, like, Sophie. Sure. I'm thinking, like, Greece. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so my dad was telling me about this, and he was like, you know, you're... Rest in peace, Grandma. Um, you know, your grandma was so cheap. She didn't buy me the P.E. dress downs. Yeah. And, you know, it would have, like, the T-shirt that said Longview on it. And then sure. you would get to write your like name. Of, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then you get to write your name on it. And she was just like, here's a white T-shirt. Just write your name on it. And I think I Joe mean, was in a very similar si- yeah. position. I think that's what my dad was kind of saying about that. So, yeah, I know this was a quick little case. Definitely worth talking about in the did the due diligence with it being, I mean, not just my hometown, but so close to Portland. And, you know, like you said, I was eight years old at this time. I mean, when Kara got, you know, abducted. Exactly. Yeah. Walking home from elementary school. Oh my goodness. And I can't believe he had potentially like 70 something other victims or whatever it was. I mean, he was at least questioned in that. And they, they probably... My guess is they probably all had similar M.O.s. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing to know about all of this was the ties that he had to the family. And even yeah. though they never really confirmed that he had anything to do in Sheila's disappearance, I think it's probably very likely considering she was raped and strangled and that he had once upon a time dated her mom. Yeah. And... You know, going back to um, talking about school should be one of the safest places, you know, not to be fearful as a parent, but, you know, mind the company that you keep, you know, falling outs happen all the time. Like keep, (laughs) keep your friends close and your enemies closer and keep an even closer eye on your kid and, and letting them know like, Hey, I know we have this family safe word, right? but this, if this person comes to pick you up or use that safe word or change your safe word. Yes. So that's, you know, I, as you were talking about that, 
I was thinking maybe what he did is if he was ever alone in the living room or whatever with Kara and was talking to her about it, you know, she was living with them. Right. So I think there's a certain level of trust that's given to someone that you live with just totally. naturally. So if he ever asked her, like, hey, you know, you know, going to school, da da da, what's your family's, you know, secret word? You know, they tell you not to talk to strangers. Right. And he just casually got it out of her. Mm-hmm. And, you probably wouldn't even think twice. Right. And, you know, it's, it's funny because it's, like you said, it's unlocking memories for me. But my dad, growing up, always told me, like, don't go with anyone, even if they tell you that, like, your mom and your dad are in the hospital and they're 100%. dying. percent. Like, those were the examples that my dad always gave me. It's like, you'd never get in a car with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, if you, if I, everyone, anyone ever comes up to you and tells you that, run back to the school mm-hmm. and, like, get another adult. And I'm right. Like, okay, well. But, yeah, I feel like he used living there. As a way to get that information out of her. For sure. Poor girl. Well, and you know, it's it's sad to kind of like what you're saying. I mean, our son is only six months old. And like Tyson and I have already had these conversations about like letting him know like don't go with anybody. Like if if there's somewhere you need to be, like you will know well before these if these three people don't come to get you you don't go with anybody right, right. sort it's of thing if it's not very grandma strict. grandma or aunt fatina you're not yeah. getting in the car really, with anybody I mean, you have to have these conversations and then you know luckily there's some technology now that you could use in your favor right like we totally could stick air tags and we probably will stick air tags in coal shoes or mm-hmm. something but you know in the 80s and the 90s when this was happening there is None of that was there for no. them. There's only so much you can it do. It was literally, you know, feet on the pavement, going and scouring through woods, right. through wetlands, through, I guess now under cars. Yeah. To look and, uh, through and, bushes and yeah. whatnot. Um, and it's not, you know, not going just to go back to Kyron's case, but technology wasn't at as ad- advanced as it is now no. where like if a kid had a cell phone you could you know find my iphone and find the location or totally um and even like, that's not a perfect science no. because how easy is it to just dump a cell phone or turn it off or whatever right. but yeah you know things have definitely changed but i can't imagine in that time having a child go missing and now i'd be lost without my phone right if i didn't have my phone then I, 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 it's weird. It, it's weird. Um, but my go-to is like start looking for who can help me find the kid or, you know, using my phone mm-hmm. for all kinds of resources. Totally. Uh, gosh, I can't imagine being a parent in that time and having no. a kid go missing. That's I know. wild. Your options. I mean, now having the technology that we have now, the options just are like, were so limited. Oh, 100%. You can post it on like your neighborhood pages. You uh-huh. can post pictures. You can post videos and it has just a bigger outreach when in that time, I'm sure Amber Alert wasn't even around then yet, I believe. I don't think so. And 
you know, you have to rely on the 10 o'clock news, which we've seen a lot of cases where that time from the kid going missing from the end of school, like three, they might touch on it on five o'clock news, but it's not really covered until 10 o'clock news. Totally. You know? Absolutely. So, and that time is precious mm-hmm. when it comes to people keeping an eye out for a car for the kid. Yeah. And just getting that information going. I know. It's crazy. But, um, again, I do want to say a really big thank you to Sarah for, um, reminding me of that case. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously just so close to home. It was really wild to research it. And I think we have some news of a new Patreon. Yes, we do have a new Patreon. Uh, so welcome to Akira M. Thank you. Hi, Akira. I love that name. Isn't That's that beautiful. Cool? Yeah, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, but thank you. Welcome. So excited. We'll send you a thank you. Welcome package soon. Yes. And um, still working on stuff, guys. My legs still kind of bummed. <laughs> <laughs> and in this heat and in a boot. I yep. am having lots of fun. Totally. Um, I was telling Kara, I was like, well, this is a new weight loss program. They should have a whole body. <laughs> Seriously. Like just sweat it out. Sweat it oh out. Oh, my God. For real, um, though. But luckily, I think I get to start driving next week. So things are looking up. Yes. Where I can, you know, get start moving around my house. I can't go up to my craft room. So it's been really limiting. Uh, but with all that said, because that's where I had all the sticker stuff that I was going to make. Oh, yeah. Um, so I couldn't get up there through these recovering time to, you know, tinker and do anything. So still working on it. It might be a fall special. Yeah. We have not forgotten about you guys <laughs> I, at we all. We promise we are not flaky people. No. If all the people that I know, Brie is, you know, punctual on time. She is there when she says she's going to be there. And I feel like I'm the same way. I hate being late to things. I totally. hate not following through. Um, so I feel terrible that we've been pushing and, um, you know, taking some time off. But, you know, we have to remind ourselves that we do this for fun. But we do appreciate the support yes. while we've been going through all this. And we hope to get back on a regular schedule for you guys. Yeah. So we'll have some more stuff coming for you guys soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we will most likely catch you next week as we try out some new recording styles. Yes. Um, but in the meantime... Don't be a stranger. Check us out on our social medias. We're going to try to be a little bit better about getting some stuff on there as (laughs) True Crime News comes out. But we will talk to you all soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.